Hello, and welcome to the Extra Innings Podcast. I'm Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish, your host of this weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, uh, whenever we feel like a podcast about the Mariners, Major League Baseball, and any other variety of topics that can be uh, digressed into while having conversations with various people around baseball. Uh, as a programming note, I am recording this on Wednesday morning uh, here in Haver, Montana. Yes, it sounds as big as you think it sounds. Um, population about 9,000. It's my hometown. I'm here visiting my parents. Uh, and typical to Mariners past, you know, when you're home for Thanksgiving week, they seem to make trades. Two years ago, I was here at my parents when um, Jerry DePoto traded for uh, Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger in, in that deal with the Diamondbacks. So that was funny. I was I just finished up dinner on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. I was going to meet some friends have a beer, and then all hell broke loose. Uh, so it happened Monday. Instead, I had just gotten into town from Missoula uh, this year when they traded for James Paxton. Um, and so, you know, obviously there's been a lot of news since we last recorded this podcast. There was the trade of Mike Zanino, uh, the accusations of Lorena Martin, uh, the high-performance director, uh, accusations of racism against Jerry DePoto, Andy McKay, and Scott Service. And then, as I said, the uh, the trade with James Paxton. So we had tried to do a podcast last week on Thursday um, about kind of, it was supposed to just be about Zanino, and then all the, the Lorena Martin stuff came on, which I'll discuss later with Larry Stone. Um, but it just didn't work. I had to cover help cover the Seahawks on that Thursday night football game. Uh, we were going to do the podcast actually with Meg Rowley of Fangraphs, and it just couldn't come together scheduling wise and so I was leaving for Montana that next day to go watch a horrible football game and so we just decided to postpone and I, I decided to talk with Larry this week I'm going to try and talk with Meg next week uh, and and go from there uh, so as part of like recording it here in Montana it, you know there's some different aspects that you're going to hear during Larry and I's conversation first you will actually hear my parents black lab puppy her name is Mika. Uh, she's about 10 months old. And at one point, she there must have been another dog outside. Downstairs, and she saw him downstairs and was freaking out and barking like crazy. So I don't know how much the audio picked up, but I know that I could hear it in my headphones when I was trying to talk with Larry, and it totally flustered me. And then also, twice during the uh, it, my conversation with Larry, uh, my parents' landline rang, and I didn't know how to turn it off. I couldn't find the phone. Uh, they have an Alexa hooked up and so they're the Alexa's talking and you know this is something I don't run into in my own place in, in Tacoma because I don't have a landline so just these little things so I, I hope you guys don't um, find it annoying I, I, I'm not professional enough to go through and edit all that stuff out I just I just can't and Larry was on a time frame so we couldn't really reboot and start over so I hope you just kind of find it uh, quirky about the aspects of doing a homemade podcast so uh, <laughs> I was totally flustered, and I think you'll be able to hear it in my voice. So, um, basically, like the news of the week, Larry and I get into the Zanino trade, the Paxton trade, the, the Lorena Martin accusations, um, and also just kind of about Jerry DePoto doing a step back, or admitting they're doing a step back in 2019, and what that means going forward. I also wrote something in uh, on the website for on Wednesday kind of discussing that as well and it's something we'll get into more uh in the days ahead uh um, also news of the morning they the mariners made a coaching change they hired jared sandberg to be a major league field coordinator i don't really know what it does exactly it's just kind of an extra coach on the bench that keeps things organized particularly i think with their advanced scouting and some of the analytics that they want to use. Uh, Sandberg is a, an Olympian native, went to Capitol High, played for the Rays, coached for the Rays for the last 11 seasons. Last four is AAA manager in Durham. So that just came out right before I got on here to, to finish recording this. I actually recorded Larry's conversation and I on Tuesday night uh, before he had to go to trivia and all this other stuff. So that's kind of how we did that. That's the timeline of everything. Uh, and in the, like I said, in the coming days, we'll do some more. I think the Mariners will announce some more coaching changes later this afternoon. Uh, they won't actually be on the podcast, but I just wanted to get this up and, and have it ready for people who, who have to make any sort of drive today for Thanksgiving. 
and and everything else. So hopefully anybody is out there driving, drive safe and enjoy your Thanksgiving. And let's get to Larry Stone. Okay, let's welcome in Larry Stone, my best friend at the Seattle Times. Don't tell Bob Condota that, but, you know, you are my best friend at the Seattle Times, Larry. How does that make you feel? Um, that just makes me warm inside, okay. but I know you tell that to all the all the writers, so yeah, I, don't, yeah. uh, I don't really, uh, yeah. I'm not going to take it to heart too much. Oh, uh, so, Larry, the uh, Mariners, <laughs> since the last time we talked, um, let's, they've had a little bit of news. I mean, when did we talk last? We hadn't even the Zanino trade hadn't happened. No, what, that's true. We've got Zanino. We've got uh, the Lorena Martin. Martin. We've got uh, James Paxton. Yeah, a lot of developments. Well, what, and then uh, Jerry on the conference call saying they're going to take a step back. Uh, that's not a rebuild. That's not a reset. That's uh, I it's guess not tearing it down to the studs. No, yet not going yet. all in. That's uh, I guess that's reimagining. If you take a step back, you're reimagining the situation because he had said that. So it's definitely a departure, um, you know, because when uh, when we had that uh, press conference after the season, he was sort of indicating that they were going to try and thread the needle and get better without getting rid of anybody. Um, you know, if they, if they trade a, a Hanniger or Diaz, that's when, uh, that's when it's a serious uh, teardown. But I think they are trying to kind of uh, do it without doing it. I mean, they did say that they're going to take a step back, which is, I think is a positive development. Uh, because I think it's unrealistic to expect to, to contend next year. Uh, but, you know, how much – I'll be interesting to see. It's hard to make it a judgment until you see how the whole thing plays out at the end of the, the offseason. Uh, you know, see how many prospects they've stockpiled, see how many veterans they've gotten rid of and that sort of thing. Um, but they definitely needed to do something kind of aggressive – to get out of the the uh, the middle situation that they're in, so, um, but you know, but but we all knew that they were going to trade James Paxton. That's been apparent from the beginning. So they really haven't done anything that's that that that's that uh, revolutionary yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily believe anything he said at that last meeting or that last presser. Not because I thought he was lying. I just didn't think he knew what he was going to do. And it sounds like they met. And they discussed things with with the ownership group because they were going to meet with John Stanton after we had that press conference. And maybe they kind of all agreed that this was the best best method. I'm working on something to kind of describe what the step back means because, you know, he's mentioned 2020 and 2021. You know, me and you looking at that, see, that's really unrealistic. But what he's trying to do in 2020 and 2021 is – quote reimagine his roster into having more guys that are in the 25 to 28 range instead of a lot of guys in the 30 year old range when you know 2020 and 2021 hits so um you know it's it'll be interesting to see uh let's go through the moves um well you and i had talked i don't know if we talked about on the podcast but larry and i see each other quite often i think we were at trivia or whatever and i said (laughs) I had said, you know, hey, people are sniffing around, or the Rays are sniffing around on Zanino, uh, you know, and, and we were kind of, I would say, a little surprised just because we know how fond Scott Service is of, of Mike Zanino, um, and and you know, and they and also just looking at the catching in the organization, which they have none. Um, so, were you surprised when they traded Zanino, or you know, does this that obviously it's a move that fits their step back plan because Zanino's. Uh, arbitration eligible or is a free agent in two seasons yeah i was moderately surprised not shocked he, I mean, you know if you're going to list the guys that they that were most likely to be traded i would probably have started with uh paxton and then zunino um 
just because they have some they have some value at this point. You know, uh, as much as they want to trade Cano, Felix, uh, Seeger, um, it's going to be hard to pull off. Zunino was a guy that was that was marketable. Um, and it's, you know, he's a risk. It's a risk. I've always felt that, uh, that Zunino was kind of on the verge of, of putting it together offensively. He really showed that in 2017 when he had, you know, the second half of the season and, and really part of the, at the end of the first half, he was an all-star caliber, uh, bat, uh, you know, put up an OPS of in the high eight hundreds, I think in that stretch, maybe even the nine hundreds, you know, would couple that with his, uh, uh, defense. And that makes him one of the best catchers in the league. But I mean, the, the, the reality is that that was an aberration. And when you look at his career, he is what he is. He's about a 200 hitter who strikes out way too much and every once in a while catches up with a ball and hits it out. So, uh, who's a great defensive catcher and great, uh, game caller framer, all that stuff. So there, there is a lot of value in that. Um, and I mean, who's going to catch next year? It's somebody who's not on the roster, probably a journeyman type free agent that they'll sign. Uh, you know, a, a Martin Maldonado type guy. Uh, but, um, you know, they got Malik Smith, who's a, the guy they had briefly. Uh, we'll uh, around a 300 hitter with, with not much power, but he hits a lot of triples, can steal bases, pretty good defensive player. And then uh, the kind of guy that they're trying to stockpile, uh, Fraley. What, uh, what's his first name? Nick, Nick Fraley? Uh, Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley, yeah who uh, they hope is a high upside bat. So uh, I think their philosophy now is to try and stockpile as many upside young prospects uh, and young major league ready players as they can. I believe we were probably having lunch last year in Peoria at some point. And we like for, you know, for people who don't know, before we even get to spring training, we have a pretty extensive meeting uh, going over story ideas, our special section, all that kind of stuff. Larry comes in with three or four ideas that he wants to write, and we aren't allowed to even think about writing them. You know, just he, he kind of walks in. You know, <laughs> Michael, pretty much. Uh, he, Michael Corley, Michael Corleone, just slaps the stuff down on the table. Just going, Don't we? you dare take my idea. Yeah, but um, I think last year we were sitting at lunch, probably at Leo's Hawaiian Barbecue, and I think you said something along the lines like, I refuse to write Mike Zanino's on the verge this year. <laughs> And then he hit like 390 during spring, and then I think we ended up writing something about that. But yeah, I just remember you saying, I'm, I'm not writing that because I've written it too many times before. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's the story of his Mariner career. And sometimes a change of scenery is – it doesn't happen without the change of scenery. You know, like would Chris Taylor have, have taken the next step if he had stayed in Seattle? Who knows? But sometimes – you just have to get out of where you've kind of grown stale. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Zunino was an all-star this coming this oh. coming year with, with Tampa Bay. All right, we'll put it right now. Over, or I want you to guess how many homers he's going to hit this year playing in the American League East. 81 games in Tampa, you know, nine or nine in Toronto, nine in Yankee Stadium, nine in Fenway, nine in, in – uh, Camden Yards. How many total home runs is he going to hit on the season? I'm saying 31. Yeah, I was going to say 28 to 30. Um, you know, that's not that much of a step forward. He hit 20 to 25 most years with the Mariners too. So, um, you know, playing in friendlier ballparks, better climate, all that sort of thing. At least in Tampa, uh, well, it's indoors. Um, is uh, it should it should help him, and he's going to be near his home. And I don't think there's anybody who doesn't wish him well. I mean, you saw all the, uh, you, you wrote one, I wrote one, uh, you, you know, you wrote a real eloquent one of just about what a, what a great guy he is and how everybody's going to be kind of pulling for him. Uh, he was one of those guys that just endears himself to people. He was, uh, you know, always helpful, always friendly, never a crossword, you know, tried really hard. Even the people who were down on Zunino as fans and didn't like the way he, uh, performed, I think everybody would agree that he, you know, he gave it his all and, 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 uh, you know, was, was passionate and committed. So that's, that, that, that's why when a guy like that leaves you, you wish him well. 
Yeah, no, I he's <clears throat> he is one of the best dudes I've ever covered. Um, you know, just really helpful. I thought the one thing, and I, I a lot of the other writers know this. I'm sure you did too. But you know, there is a, a sizable contingent of Japanese media covering the team, and um, when they had Iwakuma, you know he would sit and patiently he would talk to the american media and then he would always talk to the japanese media about iwakuma uh and he showed incredible patience you know um just because you know you've already done one media session you got to do another and then anytime kuma had anything or you know side session or if they if they faced a, a japanese pitcher they'd always go to mike and i just thought he was incredibly welcoming towards them and and i mean i know that in talking to the Japanese media, they really appreciate that because in the past, some catchers haven't been that easy to deal with, and, and Mike was really good that way. Yeah, you know, with, with the whole Ichiro experience, there have been guys on the team who have not been as patient and as welcoming with the Japanese media who, you know, they're around uh, and um, they're around a lot of the time, uh, spring training especially, so there are there are some extra demands on your on your time if you're a player and not everybody handles it with the grace that Zunino did yeah uh i was surprised about the return not some just the name i mean malik smith you know so essentially and we were kind of joking about this but the mariners basically gave up like six players in three trades to get malik smith because they sent um i can't even remember all of it now luis gohara and two other players to the Braves to get Malik Smith and Shea Simmons. And then they sent Smith and Ryan Yarborough and one other player to the the Rays to get Drew Smiley. And now they had to trade Zanino. And did they send – I can't even remember. Did they send somebody with Zanino? Heredia. Oh, yeah, Heredia. Heredia. I'm Heredia, a major league player. So that, that's like six players for Malik Smith. Uh, in talking with some people, he is not great defensively. He runs well. He's very athletic. He actually, you know, can track things down. But in terms of instincts and jumps on the ball, he's not great in that regard. And I even had one guy within the Rays organization tell me that he's probably not an everyday center fielder. So we'll wait and see. I mean, you can you can improve defensively, you know, and and you can overcome some things. I think they like the on base percentage. They like the speed. Uh, I don't know if they noticed the BAPIP, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, he, he hit 300 last year. A lot of things had to go right, but I think you look at Safeco Field and how much space there is, maybe he can do some things that way in the outfield, you know, hitting some balls to the gap and running. Yeah, I think I wrote that they would have saved themselves a lot of trouble if they had just kept Malik Smith in that instead of flipping him right away to, to Tampa Bay for Drew Smiley. They, they probably wouldn't have had to go out and get uh, D. Gordon, and they could have used those uh, those prospects to get somebody else, but that's uh, you know Drew Smiley. Uh, I don't necessarily knock them for that trade. He, uh, I mean, he looked like he was on the rise. He had a great spring. Remember in the in the uh, uh, World Baseball Classic, he he dominated, but that was that was his undoing as well. He was it was too early in spring for him to cut loose like that, and he's never uh, thrown another pitch, as far as I know. Uh, because he was out last year and he was out the year the, that the, the last two years he's been he's been completely on the shelf I think so um, yeah it's uh, it doesn't seem it, it, it a lot of this is robbing Peter to pay Paul <laughs> you know you you got you you, you sent away Zunino I mean you got Malik Smith to made to plug in the outfield but now you need to have a catcher you need a backup outfielder because you, you sent Heredia away. So, um, you know, new holes to plug um, is, uh, I guess they got a little bit younger and more club control. I think club control is going to be the byword this offseason. They, they seem obsessed with that. Um, but I, but when you're, when you're doing a step back, you, you need that. I mean, that's uh, you Paxton only had two years left on his uh, before he became a free agent, Zunino had two years left. If you could substitute those with guys with four, five, six years of club control, then then if they're the right guys, you end up ahead of the game. Yeah, uh, and, and this is what's interesting is is I was told that this is actually the third time now that when 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 Ichiro or when you know they had that deal with Ichiro, and then when Robbie was suspended this year, and they needed 
to find a fourth out. They had to manipulate their outfielder. They were moving D to second base. Uh, they made the trade to get Denard Span and, and Alex Colomay, but the original ask was just Malik Smith alone. They just were just going to try and get Malik Smith, you know, and then they you got into, into uh, some – uh, salary situations. The Rays were looking to dump payroll and some older guys, so they ended up going. And, and I don't think the Rays are ready to part with Malik Smith, so they tried to acquire Malik Smith during the season as well. So they finally got him. Hopefully, it works out. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the sort of a side discussion is the ramifications for D. Gordon. Now, uh, I think it, the fact that they just hired today, they made it official. Even though you had it last week, Perry Hill is the infield coach. He worked with uh, D. Gordon. Uh, with the Marlins when he when he played second base for them uh it sure seems like it's headed for the direction of of D Gordon moving staying in the infield uh you know there was the, the hot rumor today Ken Rosenthal is that the Mariners were discussing a Segura and uh uh who's the other guy um oh uh, Mike Leak Mike Leak to uh San Diego uh for Will Myers outfielder you know, if they made that trade, that would free up shortstop, I suppose, for uh, for D. Gordon. And then you'd have an infield of Seager, Gordon, Cano, and Healy right now. And you'd have an outfield of uh, Myers, Smith, and Hanniger. You know, any, <laughs> I'm sure Jerry's not done, and some of those guys could still be traded. But uh, what, do, what do you think about where Gordon's going to end up and what I'm sure this is on your list of things to discuss, so we might as well do it now. What do you think of that trade proposal? Yeah, I, I mean, he's going to play an infield position. It sounds like the, that experiment with him in the outfield is pretty much done. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe they play him at shortstop. I don't think he's significantly – I mean, I think defensively he's about the same as Segura. As far as the Segura trade, it's complicated in the fact that both Segura and Mike Leake have no trade clauses, full no trades. So, I mean, if one of them doesn't want to go to San Diego, then the trade is done. Uh, from what I'd heard, this was a uh, being this was something that was proposed two to two weeks ago, maybe. So, is that right about the GM meeting? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I had a source just tell me that they were calling around to some Mariners people asking about Segura on the field, off the field, everything like that. So, I, I think it was something that you know was discussed. I mean, a lot of tr- trades are discussed. Um, that you know in the past but i i don't know that it's it's right on the table now because i think the parameters of it are quite difficult and i mean even if they got if the mariners got will myers i wouldn't be surprised if jerry turned around and tried to trade him anyways uh just for more talent just to kind of perpetuate the jerry legend <laughs> and he's got a lot of money coming to him like yeah. a long what does he have 60 70 million or something like that in a long-term deal yeah i, I mean b- basically all three of those guys have money coming to him the money equals out it's just that you're getting a younger player um and then you know we've talked about segura and in the past and maybe not always seeing eye to eye with teammates or coaches so you know it's it's something that that could happen i i think the mariners are exploring any possibility i, I still think segura is the first guy to be traded uh, of that grouping, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody's off limits. Even Jerry said that last night, but we'll see. Well, I think the uh, the the fact that it's San Diego makes it more likely that um, players will um, waive their no trade clause there. And I think Mike Leake is from. Uh, I'm just called up his page. He was actually born in San Diego and went to high school in. Fallbrook. I'm not even sure where that is, but I think it's in Southern California, um, somewhere. So you know he might welcome a a, a trade to, to San Diego and be willing to waive his his uh, no trade. And uh, you know Segura, he's been traded three times before and was tired of moving around, so he might be more might be more problematic, I guess. But well, I guess at this. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, yeah, I mean, that's the I, – I think Leak would probably be amenable to it. You know, you get back to the National League, which I think any pitcher wants. But Segura is just the wild card in all of this. I mean, you've been around him. It's hard to really know what he's thinking. Gene doesn't always just let you in on what he's thinking. Um, and, you know, the, the Padres have Fernando Tatis Jr., who they believe is going to be their shortstop of the future. Maybe Segura doesn't want to go to a situation where – he eventually will have to move back to second base because he's always believed he's a shortstop. And, and it's not like the Padres are supposed to be good, but 
again, you know, it's hard to know what Gene is saying. And if Gene was frustrated by the situation, I mean, if, if Gene looks around and says, sees what the Mariners are doing and doesn't really believe that this is going to get any better, maybe he does want to get out of there because the Padres have been kind of in the mode that the Mariners have been are trying to get into where they're trying to rebuild and they're starting to accumulate some pieces. But Gene Segura is the one guy that I've never been able to quite read since since he's come <laughs> to the Mariners. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, and just uh, Fallbrook, the, where he went to high school, he is, it's in San Diego County, so he is a San Diego guy. Leak is. So. Hey, I, if the Times <laughs> want to trade me to San Diego, I'd waive my no trade clause. <laughs> you, you would, uh, yeah. You would definitely uh, go in a heartbeat. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, you know, it's just the weather. I'm getting old in my old age, so. Uh, and the tacos, the yeah, taco and the place, fish you like. tacos, yeah, tin fish. Um, so we knew that James Paxson was going to be traded. We, I wrote it. You just, we've, we've talked about it on here before. Um, did you think the Mariners got enough in return? Well. You know, it's it's. I love the people who are so definitive about those kinds of things. That's it's Twitter like, now, dude. Every time that, there's a trade, you got to have a winner or a loser. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I've never seen Justice Sheffield pitch, and I certainly, you know, I've read about him. The other two guys I'd never heard of, and and anyone but prospect nerds have never heard of him as well. Wow, you uh, say that with a lot of derision, Larry. Yeah. So I, uh, who knows? I mean, Justin Sheffield. Justice Sheffield is a is the top rated Yankee prospect. I know there's a school of thought that the Yankees prospects are overhyped, <laughs> uh, Jesus Montero, yeah. and that you don't want to deal with the Yankees because you know I saw someone tweeted one of the Yankee writers tweeted yesterday if the, if the Yankees thought that Justice Sheffield was uh, going to help a rotation they would have kept him. You know there's some thinking that he he's destined to be a reliever that he doesn't have the command. To be a to be, to last in the rotation. If that's true, then uh, this was not a good trade. If Justice Sheffield is a bona fide number two starter, as Keith Law, ESPN, who had him as the thirteenth ranked prospect in all of baseball uh, last year, and you know one of these two other guys, uh, you know, produces, then then it's a good trade. It's just everything kind of hinges to me on how good Justice Sheffield is and. And I just don't know. I know you talked to people who were skeptical, and there I've seen a lot of skepticism on him. But he also has a lot of people who think he's going to be really good. So we'll see. Did you hear my parents' dog barking in the background? <laughs> it did not. Uh, I don't know what she's doing. She's she's a devil dog. Um, no, I, you're, you're right. I mean, like it's it's, it's the nature of the way we are and the way the game is covered you have to have a take on the trade right away and i was kind of just like so you always ask me what do you think of the trade and i said well i think it happened um uh, you know i asked scouts uh and some guys i trust some guys that aren't you know predisposed to saying positive things or negative things but just guys i trust you know in terms of their evaluations and it wasn't great i think it was probably because a lot of people perceive the Mariners to be in a pretty good position, uh, position of power in terms of trading Paxton with with qualifying atta- offers attached to Dallas Keuchel and Patrick Corbin. Teams don't want to go down that road, and you only have to make a two-year commitment to James Paxton on arbitration eligibility. Now you're going to have to give up prospects, but you know prospects can be accumulated in other ways. So I think you know, a couple of scouts I talked to just felt like the Mariners made it clear like that this was their big piece that they wanted to trade. And, you know, you don't, you got one guy that's like a top 50 prospect in baseball. And then you got another guy in Eric Swanson, who's kind of a top 20. I think he's 22 in the Yankee system. That would probably put him 10 in the Mariners system. And then yeah, he's another, already been inserted in the top 10 Yeah, and by some people. And then another guy, the outfielder, who's 24 years old, playing at the high A level. So, I mean, look, you know, if one of these guys, if they all blossom or whatever, um, you know, or if even two of these guys turn into something, you, you've, you've accomplished something, especially if they contribute for multiple seasons, because you're talking about only two more years of James Paxton, including a year where you didn't think you're going to be even competitive anyways, and possibly the two years that Paxton's here, you're not going to be putting out a quality lineup. So I understand that, you know, we'll see. Yeah. The Yankees prospects tend to be overhyped, but you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I read something where 
uh, Jeff Luno of the Astros wouldn't trade Forrest Whitley, their top pitching prospect, and that's why the deal never happened with the Astros. So maybe this was the best they could truly get. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there. I thought maybe, honestly, that they would wait it out a little bit, try and play the market a little bit more, uh, see if somebody just ups the offer. You know, like if you know how it is, somebody reports, oh, the Yankees are willing to give so, so, and so, that maybe the Astros or the Brewers come in with a better offer and say, well, we'll give you this. But, you know, it must not have happened. So, DePoto went with that. I mean, this is something that's been in – Brian Cashman said that the they had talked initially about this trade for a month. So, I mean, they that certainly that this deal has been out there and other teams have had a chance to counter, and this is what they went with. Yeah, and what the Mariners need is for one of these uh, um, secondary guys in trades to, to, to blossom. That's how you develop depth. You know, uh, the Fraley's, the Eric Swanson's, the Dom Thompson Williams, who looks like, I mean, he did have a breakthrough year last year. It was in single A and he is old for that league, but he does seem to have speed and power and tools. So they need one of those guys to, to, to break out and be a surprise. Uh, you know, that's how you that's how you advance the rebuild is to, to get guys uh, emerging that you not, weren't necessarily expecting and to have the guys that you do expect go you know one thing that struck me last night was you know the way you rebuild in the situation the mariners is 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 through trades like this and also through drafting and yet after the year they had with 89 wins they're going to draft really low probably between two 20 and 30 right and yeah. uh that's that's kind of incongruous a team that's that's tearing its team apart and yet it's still not going to it's not going to have a high draft pick so that's going to make it even more complicated i i i predict they will have a high draft pick in 2020 uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. but uh, <laughs> and they didn't um, they didn't even get a compensatory pick of any sort or any of those competitive balance picks either because of their record and other things so we'll yeah. see i mean that's i i i don't think he's done uh any uh predictions on how pax does in new york I think he'll do fine, you know. Uh, I don't think the the New York uh, spotlight will. I mean, anybody who has an eagle land on them and is unperturbed will not be perturbed by playing in New York. So uh, he's just uh, he's one of those unflappable guys that you know he never changes expression. And, you know, I think that serves a. a, a pitcher in particular well a lot of a lot of great pitchers have that same sort of personality it's kind of a constant that you see i mean there's some guys that that don't fit that that mold but in general i think a lot of pitchers are just kind of laid back and placable guys so um you know the key for him is staying healthy you know he had a what two DL stints last year, but he still made 27, 28 starts. He was on the, you know, very close to having a full season and none of his injuries are really serious arm injuries. Uh, I think with that lineup, you know, judge and Stanton and, and, and those guys get the run support he's going to get. Uh, I would not at all be surprised to see him have a, a breakout, you know, all-star caliber season. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to have to go out and throw shutouts every night. That's for certain. And, and in that division, it's hard to throw shutouts. I mean, I think he'll give up some homers and, and all those things. But, you know, he's not asked to be the ace there either. You know, they, they've got good pitchers on staff. They've got Tanaka. You know, they've got Severino. Uh, they're bringing CC back. So I, I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think he'll have a nice solid season, and, and he'll get a probably pitch in the postseason, which he isn't going to do here. So, um, no, and he's he's a – like Zanino, I, I'm lamenting this with Greg Johns over text, and I know we talked about it. like all the guys that we really talk to, like just kind of just BS with, or you know, guys you can go to for stuff. They're they're leaving. You know, Nelson Cruz, one of the best dudes I've ever covered. Zanino and now Pax. Those are like three of the guys I knew if I had a question and I needed to talk to them, I could always talk to them. They would always be available, and they'd always be good natured about it. Yeah, no, there's there's no question about it. Uh, the, the, a lot of the go-to guys have left in 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 recent years, and these are the, the, the last uh, sort of the last contingent. So, well, and it's not um, and it's not to say that the other guys are jerks or whatever. It's just like, you know, when you need the best pitcher, the best starting pitcher on the team to talk, he's willing to talk, and one of the best players in in um 
in and Nelly was always available. Like with Zanino, he could talk about any of the other pitchers as well. So I, I just, you know, I, I liked having that. You know, all the other guys are fine. I mean, I will say this about Robbie and, and Felix. They're, they've been available. You know, their their willingness to do the media and talk to the media, which nobody else cares about, makes it so that the 25th guy on the team can't be a jerk. You know, if the highest paid <laughs> guy on the team is, is willing to talk to you, then you can't be – you can't be the last guy on the team and, and act like you're so great that you can't do this stuff. Yeah, you know, when I when I covered the baseball beat for a few years, the, if you could have anyone on the team be a good talker and cooperative and all that, you'd, you'd take the catcher because, you know, after every game, you could go to the catcher to talk about that day's starting pitcher, and, and, and uh, uh, it was invaluable. And uh, early in my career, the uh, the I was covering the Giants, and the catcher was was Bob Brenly, who was as glib and articulate and quotable as anybody I've ever dealt with. You know, he went on to be a well, he went on to win a World Series managing the Diamondbacks, but then he for the last twenty years he's been an announcer, broadcaster, and uh, so I mean, it was just a joy having him every day. He was, you know, funny and friendly and welcoming and all that, and just made your life like a hundred percent better. And then the next. When he left, Kurt Manwaring, there's a name not many people remember, Kurt but Man-waring he was like a sweater. Yeah, exactly. He, I mean, you couldn't get two words out of him, so it was like uh, we we paid the price for having f- three or four years of, of Bob Brenly. Uh, so, of the group, who's going to be traded next, Segura? I would say Segura. Uh, I wouldn't be a surprise. My dark horse is D Gordon. Uh, you know, if you're <laughs> the mode they're in, you know, I could I could see him being expendable. Uh, now that Leak's name is out there, probably Leak. Uh, maybe maybe Colome. You know, if you're stepping back, do you need to? Do you need a? I mean, there's two schools of thought that you you want to. If you're not going to be that good, you want to preserve the, every victory chance that you have, which means you you you. you you need a closer and setup guy and all that, but the other school of thought is you're not going to contend anyway. So why, so why not uh, use what bullpen pieces you have to get uh, you know as 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 trade chips? So you know Diaz. That brings you know the question about whether or not they're going to trade Diaz. And I think I think in the situation they're in now, you can make a case for that. Uh, if you're stepping back for two years, prime years for for Diaz. Uh, at a point where he's as as tradable, or you know, his stock is as high as it's ever going to be, and you know, we talked about this, I think, in our last podcast. Uh, and I think now that they've already made these other deals, you can make an even stronger case, uh, at least theoretically, for trading Diaz. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if, if you get a top fifty prospect for him and another. You know, prospect in the top 200. Yeah, I think you you do it, especially if those guys, if those prospects are like at AAA and on the cusp of the big league level. You know, granted, you're giving away closer that is 23 or 24 years old and still has a lot of pitching left in him. But I, you know, I'd want more than a top 50 guy. I'd want like a top 20 guy. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, just. You know. I, I guess, you know, it also depends on the pitching and everything else. And I mean, you know, you're only a handful of teams are really going to look to dump a bunch of prospects to get a closer. And may, I mean, maybe it's better at midseason. Like, you know, say Kenley Jansen continues to be terrible for the Dodgers. Maybe then you can really, you know, get something at midseason for the Dodgers. But you also run that risk of him not being good. Right. You know, I mean... You know, you get teams that are in that desperate mode, like the Mariners in 1997, when they would give, when they would give up anything to get, you know, their 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 season dependent on getting a closer. So they, so they went and got Heathcliff Slocum, and they were willing to give up the guys that they gave up. You know, you can get another, you could uh, get a team of the contenders. That, you know, one of them is bound to be having closing problems. So. You know that is a that is a valid strategy. I think is to is to wait to the trade deadline, and that might be where somebody like a Seager uh, is traded as well. Um, you know, if he resurrects his career and has a good first half, he he might uh, be a lot more appealing. A veteran 
presence for a team in a pennant race than than maybe in the off season coming off another down year. Yeah, I I mean that's I guess their hope. I, I mean like in terms of the off season, if, I mean if they could unload Seager now, they would do it. But I just don't think there is in market. But yeah, Colome and Segura are the two I think are gone almost immediately. And then you know maybe. Maybe Leak. Just depends. I think if you're a National League team, you're probably more interested in Mike Leak than a, an American League team. Uh, but also in that sense, too, like if you have – I mean, somebody like the Brewers that has a lot of swing guys and, and guys that are, are capable of, of, you know, pitching that fifth and sixth inning, you can um, – you can uh, – hey, there's a phone ringing. Do you need to answer that? Or? No, I don't even know how to turn it on. I, I'm not used to having a phone around here. Hold on one second. Should I sing the Willie Nelson's greatest hits while we're waiting? That's, that's pretty amazing. Live podcasting there, a, a house phone. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Anyways, no, I, I lost my train of thought. Let's let's go to the the Doctor Lorena Martin thing since we've been avoiding that till the very end. Um, okay, so we'll kind of go through this when uh, Larry and I. I think I did I, did I tell you that. Early that week that I was trying to get a hold of her. That I'd yeah, you told me. Yeah, so I we'd found out she'd been fired. What day was that? Thursday or Friday? You know, everything came out on that Monday of last week. I think I found out that Thursday or Friday before. And so then I, I contacted her via a message on social media, direct message, just saying, hey, look, you know, would you like to talk about this? And kept get, trying to get a hold of her and she kind of wanted to know when I was going to write the story that she'd been fired and then she wanted to know some other things and and I was just hoping she'd give me a, a typical comment like you know I'm disappointed this didn't work out I didn't know you know I'd never heard any um uh complaints about from her or anybody else about uh racism issues I had heard you know from multiple sources that there it just wasn't working that the whole situation of of what they wanted her to do, what they asked her to do, how they hoped it would work, just wasn't working the way they envisioned it, which is pretty amazing because it's Jerry Depoto like claimed he spent a year working on the job um, and trying to figure it out, but it just wasn't going to work. And that uh, if anything, going into the 2019 season, they were going to not have her work with the big league team; that she would only work out of Arizona. And, and working with the minor league teams where they felt like also this may be more fruitful because big league players, especially the Mariners guys who were much older and much more established, just weren't really embracing the idea of changing um, to this new kind of thinking about their health and recovery and all this stuff. Uh, so anyways, yeah, found out she's fired and everything. And then I was going to interview her on uh, that Monday afternoon to just get a comment and you know hear what she had to say. Uh, at 3 p.m. And so 3, again, no call, no call, you know. And I'm looking at, I'm just kind of waiting for a phone call. And I kind of started flipping through Instagram. And I saw that she had laid down scorched earth uh, on a message on Instagram. And then, you know, panic, anger, everything else when you're trying to write this set, set in. I, I'm not going to say, I, well, I did throw something. But I, you know, write it, crank it out. And then tried to contact her saying, hey, are you going to talk about this? And she uh said she would and then she never did and then she said that it would be best if she didn't talk to the media she'd been advised not to talk to the media so when she you know so larry you've kind of heard the same things i had about the whole process not working but you were there the day and your column was all about you know interviewing her jerry called her a unicorn i believe didn't he yeah, they sort of invited me after they had made the hire to like sort of have the first interview, exclusive interview. And I so Jerry explained, laid out the whole thing for about half an hour. And then I talked to her for in her office for about half an hour. Um, and I mean, Jerry just pretty much was glowing about her qualifications and how lucky they were to find her and how the, this was going to be you know a great thing to bring their the way they handle uh medical situations and and performance into the 21st century and you know looking back i think they they sort of set her up for failure by by putting too much on her plate and 
by raising the expectations too high and, and publicly then ha- raising them very publicly <laughs> very publicly you know uh and also the fact that she had no baseball background and i think she fought that uh the whole the whole time she she didn't know the rhythms and the nuances and the terminology of 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 baseball which is its own insular world and i think that was that was a problem and uh i mean you know her her charges are very very serious and they were they were very very shocking and uh you know i'm not going to dismiss them out of hand i think she deserves a fair uh hearing and an investigation which baseball is going to is going to give to her you know i've never seen any signs of that from the the three guys that she uh accused but uh you know she it wouldn't serve her well to 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 make that stuff up so uh you know i just don't know what to what to make of that and uh uh you know as i wrote you know suddenly there were all these stories coming out of her previous job and the lakers didn't want didn't like her and they were happy to see her go and all that and i you know i just i i see that pattern of when people come out with accusations or whistleblowers like that the the first tendency is to smear smear the whistleblowers so i don't want to fall into that trap either i think she deserves a, a fair hearing and and hopefully they're in the process of that right now yeah i'm that dog is gonna drive me nuts um <laughs> No, I, I, I'm kind of like with you. Uh, I didn't see anything. I've never seen anything from Jerry, Scott, or Andy to, to, to think that that's plausible. But at the same time, I'm not there around them. And those guys are very calculated, particularly when they're around members of the media. So I don't, I don't sit there and believe that that's, it's not impossible that they're in a different setting and they couldn't say those things. I mean, you, you know, I think we live in a world now where you shouldn't be surprised by anything that anybody's accused of or it may or may not be true. So, um, yeah, you know, the the things with the Lakers, I had some sources that cover the Lakers that kind of said similar things that, you know, that the Lakers were happy they were gone. I thought of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where they, you know, foisted, you know, Larry, they, <laughs> about that, you know, where they don't tell somebody that they they're trying to move them on but look it it does it doesn't really matter kind of what we think and i don't even know how they're going to handle this i know mob is going in to investigate and they're going to talk to all parties involved and and um for the love of god (laughs) (laughs) and so um this reminds me when jeff baker and i were doing a podcast in the primitive days of podcasting i don't think we could even called it a podcast I at just, the winter meetings I, I i can't win today larry i just can't win so it's just uh, i give up but we, we were standing on a on a uh, on a staircase and while we were doing it the janitor went, walked by us mopping the stairs right in front of our camera so that's uh, <laughs> i remember that that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the best thing that ever came out of that yeah <laughs> okay i'm Oh, I just, anyways, as my eloquent, I, this is just a disaster and I'm not going to go back through and edit it out because, you know, what are we going to, what, you know, just, no, there goes our chances of, of winning up a, a, a potty. Yeah. Uh, from the SNL show the other day, the <laughs> potty. Um, I don't, well, no, I, 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 you're, you're just saying that, uh, it's hard to determine who, you know, where, how MLB is going to go from here. Um, yeah, and, I, and, and I mean, I, I don't, I, I just don't know how the the situation um, corrects itself. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if they can prove it. How they're going to prove it? Uh, the Mariners seem to think that, you know, they have all the paperwork in place and everything else. Um, you know, I talk with MLB. It sounds like they're going to use an independent. They're going to hire an independent investigator. I mean, this isn't going to be simple. I don't even. I mean, how long does something like this take to correct? Yeah, or, or I mean, not necessarily correct, but like investigate. You know. Yeah, I mean, it could take a it could take a couple of weeks because you get a lot of they people. They aren't the to, FBI. I mean, n- no, unless they bring in uh, you know professional investigators who who know who can expedite the thing. But you know, she says she has uh, people who will vouch for her. Uh, you know, who will corroborate what she said, and she says she has emails and stuff. So I mean, they're it 
at some point it could sort of devolve into he said she said kind of thing if there if some of those more inflammatory comments were behind closed doors so uh i'll be interested to see if she she can come up with somebody who will validate uh what you know the the more serious uh, charges that she that she put out there yeah uh same with the yeah the Mariners say they have proof too. I, I, I'll be interested to see how this all plays out. It's a horrible look for the Mariners right now. I mean, it's just it's a, horrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, at the, the time, of this are bad. They're 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 selling off players. I mean, their season tickets are still going up. They they you know they just lobbied for taxpayer money from uh, King County Council. Um, they had the the issues with the sexual harassment claims earlier this year. I mean, these guys. I don't want to call them the Keystone Cops, but they can't get out of their own way for anything. Yeah, you know, it's it just plays into the the uh, perception that it's an organization in disarray and doesn't know what it's doing. And uh, um, you know, the fact that they haven't been in the playoffs for 17 straight years makes people's uh, default mode to disbelieve what they say and to and to criticize what they do and this you know certainly isn't uh, going to help matters the you know I, it's it was it's just i think it's devastating to this organization yeah i think to, i think the word narrative is a 10 cent word that gets thrown around on twitter a lot by people that don't like writers i don't know it's kind of like accountability you know they got to show some accountability but this isn't a narrative. We're, we're not like telling a story here about some story about how this has gone wrong. These guys have made a, a series of mistakes um, that that play out horribly in public perception. And it just, you know, and you throw all that plus, you know, and this is all the off the field stuff. And then you throw out how bad they've been on the field. You don't get, you know, the benefit of the doubt in anything when you're like this. You know, you know when you look like... You are uh, an organization that can't get out of its own way and is bumbling and everything and corrupt in other ways. You, you, you just can't you can't walk away from it and say, oh, this is a narrative. This is what's out there and people believe it. Yeah, I mean, in the best case scenario for them in the, the Martin situation, if all her accusations are disproved, then the best case scenario is that you've screwed up the the uh, installation of their high performance department, which you, which you touted so highly, as you know, being uh, you know ch- uh, changing uh, the the whole way they they treat players, and it lasted one year. You fired the person that you brought in to do it, and I mean, will they even continue with the, having a high performance director or not? They haven't really said. Um, so you know this 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 whole thing was was one year, and you made a horrible mistake in hiring the person. I mean, that, I think that's clear that they they either they hired the wrong person or they didn't give her the uh, the tools to succeed, or or they uh, compromised her ability to proceed to to succeed. One you know one of those things. Um, so so that's the that's the best case scenario. Yeah, so either you're being you're guilty of being negligent or you're guilty of being careless or and unthought out. I mean, that's you know, it's like what where do you go? Uh you're right. And and I, I mean we're 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 putting the side, you know, the issues that Lorena Martin had with the organization saying that they made racist comments. If the the organization one just pays out the rest of her contract, you never know what's going to happen. But she felt like she had been breached, her contract had been breached, and that this other stuff wasn't going to stand. And then two, like, why go out of your way to promote this this new thinking? I, I think sometimes, and I like Jerry, and he's very verbose, and I think you know it makes my job easier in a lot of ways because he's he he's a clean talker and he can string together sentences, but they did themselves no favor by going out and, and trying to show how smart they are by we're going to revamp baseball with this new thinking and how we're going to do this when you don't even know if it's going to work. And there are many people that are just waiting for you to fail and fall on your face so that when you do, they're all like Nelson Munns from, from, uh, from the Simpsons going, ha ha, you know, and that's what they're at right now. I mean, I just, I, 
maybe they just need to have somebody in the front office just like this. Are you sure we should do it this way? <laughs> you need that guy, like the common sense director. Are you sure you should go this way with this thinking? Yeah, no, there's no question that there's people in other organizations who uh, want to see Jerry fail and who don't like the way that he uh, handled that and other things. But, um, you know, he's I mean, he sort of put himself out there now with the 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 the. the the rebuild that he's starting, um, you know, they need to get good in, a, in uh, I guess in some ways you could say that he bought himself some time, but at some point they're going to have to come out the other side of this with a, with a competitive team. But has they really bought himself time? Not everybody believes that the rebuild is the right decision. I mean, there are a lot of people that can't understand you had 89 wins last year. Why don't you do something more to get closer you know, then just, I mean, there's a group of people that is all about the rebuild, you know, because that's the new, that's the new hip meme on, on social media. A lot of times it used to be fire everybody. Now it's just tear it all down. But there is a, a large portion of fans, many of whom have season tickets or go to those games on a regular basis that might not believe in this rebuild. And they can't understand why uh, a good catcher and their best pitcher just got traded. No, for sure, absolutely. You know, the only one who really has to believe in it ultimately is uh, is Stanton and, uh, and and Mather who decide on his future. But you're right. I mean, if if this get really ugly, and I mean, they're setting themselves up for a not very good 2019. So they're going to have to have the courage of their convictions. And even if the uh, even if the the, the the fans are are uh, upset they have to have the bigger picture in mind and not succumb to that pressure but you know at some point you you have to you have to turn this around and and, and start to win but no i think it's a valid question i i asked jerry that at the press conference it's like oh when he said that they weren't going to tear it down to the studs i said okay what about going the other direction and you know being aggressive in the market and since you won 89 games trying to trying to attack your deficiencies and and going for it and he said well basically we're not we're not close enough to the astros and the other teams to do that so i think they decided that they're not close uh they're 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 not close enough at all and that they definitely need a need a step back but uh they're still kind of in no man's land because they (laughs) still don't they still don't have the, the you know they don't have the farm system to to churn out the 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 prospects that are going to turn this around and uh i'm not sure that they have the uh the trade chips enough of the trade chips to do it as well unless they really dig in and get the and and trade the hannigers and the diaz is if they the guys that they have to trade are not going to get blue chip prospects so it's going to be really hard to uh to turn this around and come out the other side with a with a you know pennant contending team which i guess is the goal well think about their top five prospects only three of them could project to be ready for the big leagues in in two years and that's just that's after adding justice sheffield and you consider kyle lewis and evan white i mean julio rodriguez and all these other guys they're they're not close to being ready so you know you're projecting in 2021 two years from now even say you give it two years instead of one you're you're projecting those three and then whoever else you're you're trying to accumulate, Malik Smith. I mean, you don't have yeah. a catcher. D. Gordon will be gone in two years. You'll still have Marco. You'll still have Hanniger. But I mean, that's still a where's your bare where's bones. your yeah yeah. And where is your franchise changing superstar? Your Carlos Correa, your Francisco Lindor, your Alex Bregman, your uh, um, uh, Ben Attendee. I mean, you know the other the. Your your judge, the guys that have been churned out by the teams that are contending right now, those all came out of their farm system, and they and they uh, are leading the way of you know as they transition. And the Mariners, it doesn't appear. I mean, uh, Kyle Lewis could have been that guy until he blew his knee out, and that's you know that was just for this organization that that it can't be overemphasized how damaging that was um, because he he 
very well could have been that guy and now it doesn't look like he's going to be that guy but that's what you need to to take the next step is the the absolute uh, next level superstar guy and uh i don't see it you know maybe sheffield develops into that maybe lewis the farther he gets from his knee injury can do it maybe a surprise guy comes out maybe rodriguez the 17 year old kid is that guy but um we'll see i mean look we've used this this line before but since uh since alex rodriguez in 2001 the Mariners have drafted and developed only two all-star position players that came from within their organization, Kyle Seeger and Jose Lopez. Yeah. I mean, that that's just not really going to cut it. No, it, you know, and, and God, we, I don't want to tread over this territory, but again, but all those top five picks that should have turned into those guys, they just, you know, Ackley, Clement, Zunino, um, and more. Um did did Jackson and and you know they just didn't it just didn't happen and you just can't blow that many draft picks high draft picks top five top ten draft picks as they have so um, you know if if they're going to do anything right that's what they need to do is 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 because you could find you can find superstars in the back of the uh, first round Mike Trout you know uh, or second round or third round sometimes um, they need to hit on some of those. And certainly, if if and when they get a top ten pick again, they have to hit on that. Okay, real quick, um, since we we were on almost an hour, Adrian Beltre retired today. Uh, any funny stories, or just uh, he's a Hall of Famer in your mind, right? He is, and you know the funny thing is, is when he left Seattle, I don't think anyone would have predicted that he was nope. a Hall of Famer or said that he was Hall of Famer. I mean, he really turned his career around. Um, after he left Seattle, he went to Boston for that one year and then Texas um, and just was consistently great. Like he had been with the Dodgers before he joined Seattle, you know, he had flashes in Seattle. He, he did not like playing in that ballpark as much as anybody has ever not liked playing in that ballpark uh, before they moved the fences in and all that. Um, and so we never really saw the very best of Adrian Beltre. Uh, no funny stories. I just like everybody else. I enjoyed, especially watching the interplay between Felix and him, and the and the taunting, good natured. I mean, those two guys love each other, and uh, you know that was always a delight. I loved watching him uh, at spring training take ground balls and pregame take ground balls. He took it. I mean, nobody ever. Guys take hundreds of ground balls a day. He, he I mean, his fielding. He had amazing hands and the ability to stop on a dime and kind of whip it under our sidearm over the first but that was from work too i mean he did a ton of work he was always in shape he always cared he loved to play like he loved going to the park even as much as he hated safeco field at the time um obviously i, I said it today on mlb network but you know when he won his first gold glove there was a group of us interviewing him at spring training and he talked about how he didn't wear a protective cup and he hadn't worn one and i asked him why and he said i have a glove uh <laughs> and then about two years later he uh was playing in a game and took a, a hard ground ball off of that area and uh ruptured his testicle and played for the next seven innings of that game that went 14 innings with it injured uh, and then missed time, and I, Larry was there for that press conference when Don Wakamatsu had to explain why Adrian <laughs> Beltre was going on the disabled list. It was one press conference that, as a man, you didn't enjoy. You had a stomachache the entire time. That was a classic. I think they they still play clips. I think. Yes, I still have on the, on clips the, of that. <laughs> I can't. I probably won't play it on here, but I still have clips from it. But yeah, now I'm happy well, the, for Adrian. He's he's great. The postscript to that was I the, the next year he was in Boston and I went when I was doing my Florida spring training rounds and I went to uh, Fort Myers and interviewed him there and uh, asked him if he was wearing a cup and he said nah this was after he had, had that injury oh my he God. said I tried it for I tried it for a couple more a couple of weeks when I came back and I just can't play that way so now you know even after. Uh, having that injury he he still trusted himself enough to 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 not wear a cup i don't know what you know what he did the, the rest of his career but to start out in boston he was not going to 
Oh, that's good. No, I'm, like I said, I'm happy he's retired. It, it's gonna, I'll miss him because I like the banner between him and Felix. I just like how he played. The the highlight of him when he moves the on-deck circle, like, you know, they tell him to stand it, so he grabs the on-deck thing and slides it and gets kicked out of the game. That's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And the other thing that never fails to crack me up is when he when he asks for an appeal on, on his, his own, own check swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, still, I just go not understand that, and I never will, but it's always funny. All right, man, we'll wrap it up, and we'll do this again next week. Hopefully right, there'll be thanks. about seven more trades. Go uh, pet those dogs and, and disconnect that phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That will do it for this week's Extra Innings podcast. Uh, big thanks to Larry Stone for coming on. Thanks to Mika the Black Lab for inserting herself into the com- podcast conversation and whoever it was calling on my parents' landline. It was probably telemarketers. Also, big thanks to my parents for actually having a decent internet connection that works well enough to, to run the Skype because in past years it didn't work well enough, but I begged them to upgrade their internet and, and it's much better. So thanks to them. I am... You know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, and you see it all the time, what you're thankful for. I'm thankful for the obviously being employed at the Times and, and anybody that does read my stuff and everything that the, my bosses let me do, including this podcast and kind of the freedom they give me. Uh, and thanks to anybody who's listening to this. You know, I know it's sometimes we can get rambling and out of sorts, and you know, but anybody that's willing to take an hour to listen to what we have to say, I do appreciate it as always. Um, thank you to the Midnight Salvage Company, the band that you hear during the lead-ins the bumper music as they call it and the radio trade and also um you know if you need to get a hold of me as always rdivish at seattletimes.com is my email uh at ryan divish on twitter ryan divish on facebook professional facebook page um and hope you all have a good thanksgiving and we'll talk to you soon